Hello everybody, I'm Sean from Follow the Camino and on this episode of Camino Talks, I'm delighted to be talking with two people from the American Pilgrims on the Camino. In Virginia, in the United States is David Donsler, who's the chairperson of that society. And also in Tucson, Arizona is Carmen Marriott, who is the vice chairperson of the American Pilgrims on the Camino. Welcome David and, and Carmen. Thank you very much. So I'm going to kind of talk briefly to each of you, just ask you to kind of introduce yourself. And so David first, who, who is David Donsler and what is your connection with the American Pilgrims on the Camino? Sure, I'm, uh, I uh, currently have the pleasure of chairing the American Pilgrims on the Camino Board of Directors. Uh, I've been a member of the board since about uh, 2017. Um, and so I, uh, I lead an 11 member uh, all volunteer board of directors um, and an organization comprised almost uh, entirely of volunteers uh, to carry out our mission. And uh, so it's been, uh, uh, I walked the Camino back in uh, 2013 and uh, quickly, uh, uh, like, like most of the folks uh, who've uh, walked the Camino, uh, I was bitten <laughs> by the Camino bug and I've been involved ever since. Uh, just a wonderful community of people and uh, um, uh, just uh, certainly a great organization to be a part of. Okay, thank you. And Carmen, tell me a little bit about yourself, please. I am the vice chair of American Pilgrims on the Camino. I've been on the board for about five years. Um, I've walked a Camino every year since 2014, except for this year. <laughs> it has been canceled. And I have been very much involved with the grants program of our organization. And I've served as the secretary and the vice chair of this great organization. Okay, thank you. So, Carmen, I'll stay with you. Can you maybe describe a little bit about the, the work of the American Pilgrims on the Camino, what, what it stands for and what its purpose is? Well, we, we have a pretty broad mission. Uh, it's kind of threefold, and it's, we, I'll read it to you. It's to foster the enduring tradition of the Camino by supporting its infrastructure, by gathering pilgrims together, and pro by providing information and encouragement to past and future pilgrims. That's our mission. And the things that we do to support that mission include our grants program that I talked about. It includes our chapters. We have over 60 chapters in the United States. It includes our annual gathering where we usually gather between 200 and 300 pilgrims together and inform them, both past and future pilgrims about the Camino. Okay, thank you. And in terms of chapters, you say about 60 chapters across the US. What, what does a chapter do on a, on a monthly basis or weekly basis? Well, it's, it's, we don't call them franchises. Everybody does their own thing, uh, but it ranges from hikes to weekly coffees, to presentations, to packing tips, to the history of the Camino, preparing yourself for the Camino, both spiritually and physically, uh, and introducing new pilgrims to veteran pilgrims and allowing veteran pilgrims to share their stories. Um, I think Dave can probably talk about this a little more than I can. We had um, over 700 events last year between the 60 chapters um, and more than 12,000 people attending these events in, in different capacities. Okay, thank you, Carmen. So David, on, on that, new pilgrims, um, talk to experienced pilgrims, a lot of people have never heard of the Camino. 
um, how do they kind of get involved with this group? And if you tell them, oh, it's, it's, a, it's a long walk in Spain, what makes them actually want to do that? Sure, well, we just actually, uh, in the past uh, year and a half or so, uh, we implemented a new vision for the organization. So we went through a period uh, where as we, as we went through this sort of enormous growth, I mean, uh, we, we went from uh, five chapters in the 2011 timeframe up to 60 chapters now, uh, we took a chance to sort of sit down and reassess uh, what we wanted to do. And so we came up with our vision statement, which is, and again, I'll read this to you. We inspire all who seek the spirit of the Camino to join the global community of pilgrims. Um, and we chose those words pretty carefully. Uh, and we spent a lot of time, for example, on the word inspire. Uh, uh, you know, should we, should we really be in the job of trying to inspire people? Uh, and, and then we, we focused on the words who seek, and because we think that's, that, that part is actually pretty important. And so um, th there's, I think, uh, particularly uh, these days, there's a real desire out there for, to be part of a community. And anybody that's heard of or walked on the community knows that uh, there are people from all walks of life, all backgrounds, and uh, the people of Spain just willing to reach out and, and help those folks as they go for whatever reason. Uh, on this journey. And so, so we think uh, as an organization, it's just really important to inspire uh, anybody who seeks that, that sort of sense of community uh, to reach out uh, and, and talk to other people who've, who've sort of been there and done that uh, to encourage them as they go on their way in whatever they're looking for. And, and we, you know, we talked about this uh, spirit of the Camino. So we inspire all who seek the spirit of the Camino um, we actually had a facilitator tell us um, uh, about the, the spirit of the Camino. And we said, you know, where did you find that phrase? And oddly enough, uh, we, uh, we, uh, it is, it's actually on the credential itself. And so it's a, it's a poem that was written uh, not to, uh, I guess, it, top of my head, Carmen, maybe you have that date. Um, I do. Do you have that date? What is it? Uh, I think it was at the 2007 board meeting. Okay, yeah, so, so uh, it was adopted by the board, and it's actually printed on every American Pilgrim's um, uh, credential, and it says, uh, live in the moment, welcome each day its pleasures and its challenges, make others feel welcome, share, feel the spirit of those that have gone before you, imagine those that will follow you, and appreciate those that will walk with you today. Um, those words uh, really struck us as a board, um, and so we we baked that into our vision because we think it captures the uh, what the what that spirit of community is all about. And then uh, we ended it with the global community of pilgrims. Um, we, as an organization, don't just reach out to paid members. Uh, we reach out to all pilgrims uh, who want to be part of that community, encourage them to take take part in chapter events. Um, and other things, uh, national gatherings, that sort of thing, um, to just become part of the community. So um, that's, that's sort of our thinking on that. Okay, thank you. And Carmen, what makes a pilgrim? Are they religious? Are they spiritual? Are they looking for an answer? Are they looking for exercise? I think all of the above. <laughs> and I've listened to you talk a couple of times on walking and the benefits of walking both from a physical, a mental, and a spiritual perspective. 
Um, and a pilgrim is anybody who's interested in taking that first step to becoming a pilgrim. We consider a pilgrim, if you come to the first meeting of a chapter, again, you don't have to be a member, but you have enough interest to find out about what the Camino is about. And that's the first step. Second step is asking for a credential. Uh, and that really kind of solidifies the fact that you are gonna do a pilgrimage. You're going to go to Santiago or you're going to at least begin to walk a pilgrimage. Um, and we don't discriminate. If you walk with a backpack, if you walk and you take a taxi, if you, however mode you're going to do it, if you're on the Camino, you are a pilgrim. Okay, so what are the differences in what people expect when they go on the Camino to what they actually experience? So if you're walking in the US and you maybe go to kind of guest houses or hostels, do people get a radically different um, view of what it's like in Spain and Portugal once they arrive? We have, I, that's a hard question to answer. Um, <laughs> I'd like to talk about something that one of our chapters, actually the old Pueblo chapter here in Tucson has done. And a returning pilgrim bought a, an old inn in a small community in Arizona and turned it into a bed and breakfast. And she has opened it up to our chapter several times so that new pilgrims who have never experienced this community of a community meal with fellow walkers, uh, fellow pilgrims um, and veterans and sleeping the way we sleep in bunk beds and in uh, rather more rustic type situations to get their first experience. And I think it really, we've done it three times. And what people say, especially the ones who have never been on the Camino, is it's not so bad. <laughs> I was expecting that it was going to be, you know, people snoring and being their feet in my faces because of what I've heard. And there are places like that, of course, but I think more than anything, the the spirit of the Camino lives with the pilgrims and they've been able to share that. And I think for some people, it's really made a determination that you know, they are going to do it when they, whenever they can. Okay, thank you. And one thing I've, I've kind of noticed kind of on the Camino myself and talking to people, a lot of people do the Camino either because they are at a stage in life where something is changing dramatically and they're looking for the answer or the next step or um, something kind of big has happened to them. There's been a big event, whether it's kind of a bereavement or change in relationship or job loss, and they just want time out to think about what is next. Would that be your experience? I, like, do you do you see or hear many people like that? Yeah, I think. Well, I think that's true, um, and I think one of the unexpected, maybe uh, unanticipated uh, benefits of walking the Camino that folks don't recognize until afterwards is uh, the opportunity to slow down and actually notice things and think about things. Um, I, you know, at the pace that information comes today, and at the pace of our lives, I think a lot of times um, you forget um, uh, a lot of the good that's out there. Um, and when you slow down enough to see it, um, it's really it's really everywhere. Um, even in a country where you don't speak the language and and uh, you can't just communicate directly with folks, uh, as I walked, uh, you know, as I walked the the path, um, 
Um, I found that people were just incredibly helpful. Uh, there was always somebody willing to lend a hand. And, you know, that sort of even changes the way uh, that you interact as you go in um, and, and you see other people in need or you see other people that might might require something, you're more willing to lend a hand. So I think that that slowing of the pace is a huge part of it that that uh, folks, if they don't know that's coming, I think walk away with uh, a strong sense of when they're done. Yeah, I, I noticed myself that the sense that there was no deadline. You're not rushing to get somewhere to stop and do something else. You you get up in the morning, you walk, you arrive maybe mid-afternoon and you've got plenty of time until the next morning, get up, do the same thing again. And it's, right. it's, it's unique. It's not in modern society. You don't really get that. It, also, it sort of reinforces the importance of a routine. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we did that in, the, in how far you can actually get if you just keep plugging away at it and you keep working at it uh, and you develop uh, that routine on a daily basis. I don't know what you think. Thank you. you know, I've had the opportunity to serve as an hospitalero four times um, in Spain and France. And I've been surprised at the number of people who are repeating the same Camino because the first time they went, they did rush through it. They did have a timeline. They, they felt that they had you know, 30 days or that they just had to be someplace at a certain time. And they came back and did exactly the same one, the same walk and said, but I'm going so much more to enjoy the moment um, because I, I know that it can be different than it was. It was a great experience, but I know it can be different. And, and I think slowing down, like Dave said, um, once you get the bug, you know that you can do this. Yeah, it is. And Carmen, do you prefer walking on your own or in a group? Like, what what does what does a day look like walking? For me, I have walked with many people, with one person, and by myself. Personally, I like walking by myself the best. But it took me a while to get there. It took me a while. Um, I walked with my twenty-one-year-old son one time, and that was a very different challenge than walking with you know, four other women versus, you know, one other friend. And, and I just, I think you get into that habit of walking becomes part of your life. And for me, the last couple of years that I've walked by myself, in my, probably my best personal Camino or my personal development. But my other ones have been fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. And David, I noticed, um, when you did your first Camino in 2013, you also walked with your um, older son. I, we, we see a lot of a lot more, um, I suppose, intergenerational and multi-generational groups going on the Camino, uh, which is great to see. Is that something that you wouldn't do in the US? When would you have the time to walk with, with your family for a few days or a week? Yeah, I think uh, in the United States, it's a, a little bit different in that the, you know, we have some long distance trails, the Pacific Crest Trail, the Appalachian Trail, uh, that sort of thing. That's a little bit more rustic. Uh, um, and so you don't have the, the same level of infrastructure. Uh, so it doesn't encourage, I think, the same type of walking. It's more, uh, I, my, my perspective on that is a little bit more of an endurance test uh, on some of the 
mills. Whereas the Camino, you're actually walking through the towns and villages of Spain. There's more infrastructure and more support there. So it's more conducive to walking. Uh, I did walk with my uh, wife and my oldest son uh, on the first Camino. And then my wife and I have done two additional ones together. And uh, I, I think your question on you know walking alone versus walking together in a group is a good one. Because we did both. I mean, even though we were together, there were times where, you know, we walked at different paces or we'd be on a bike. And we, um, oh, did we lose you? No. <laughs> oh, you're still there? Okay, I thought I saw somebody drop off. I'm sorry. Um, and so, uh, so it varies. And I think uh, it doesn't have to be one or the other. You can, uh, you can uh, combine that and spend some time alone and, and have that time to think. Uh, but then still enjoy it um, together as a, as a family. Okay. So um, change the topic slightly. Um, 2021 is what they call a holy year. Can you maybe talk about what a holy year is and why it's more important on the, the Camino? Well, I think uh, this, this uh, holy year in particular, I think, is uh, important. Uh, the St. James Feast Day occurs on a Sunday, which was which is what delineates that. And those are anywhere between five and six years apart and 11 years apart, depending on uh, the year. And this one, I think it's been 11 since the last one. And so that coming up next year is going to be quite a special event. And it's going to be interesting to see how the uh, COVID-19 crisis is going to impact that. I think uh, I've heard two schools of thought on that. One, um, that it may it may cause uh, uh, folks to pull back and they may have a lower population on the Camino um, uh, due to maybe some of the impacts on the infrastructure there. Uh, but on the other hand, I've also heard, I, I can tell you just the uh, the sense in the United States of uh, wanting to get back there and, uh, and walk those pathways is pretty strong. And so... Uh, you know, my personal view on that is I think uh, given the holy year and the amount of time since the last one and the events of the day, I think uh, I would not be surprised to see uh, a strong population on the uh, worldwide population on the Camino. And um, um, uh, that's going to require, I think, uh, you know, our continued support. Uh, Carmen can talk more about the grants. Uh, but we've had a good discussion among our board on our grants program and the importance of, of that going forward to support the, the Camino infrastructure, particularly after this year. Yes. So, Carmen, so I, I understand the um, American Pilgrims on the Camino have been kind of supporting various projects over the last 10 years or so in Spain and Portugal. And I think you've supported maybe over 75, 80 projects. Um, maybe can you talk about that, what, what that support actually means and, and how you raise money and where it goes? So I'd like to start with, we are a nonprofit and all of our money comes from either membership dues or donations. And that's the only source of, uh, we don't go out and seek money from others, that's donations and membership dues. And yes, our program has been in place in full swing for the last 10 years. We've given close to $400,000 out um, over 85 projects, counting this year's projects. Uh, we've not yet uh, dispersed the money, but we've approved the grants and we've heard back from our recipients that they need the money just as much now, if not more so than they did before to complete their projects. And these projects are to develop the infrastructure. We, we don't fund operating costs. Um, we're not allowed by US law to do that, but the infrastructures can be anything from repairing a roof 
to putting a, a water cistern in place, to way marking, uh, stone markers or other kind of markers, washing machines, mattresses, um, just about anything that you need to run an albergue, we have funded. Um, it's a competitive process. Uh, we have much more requests than we have money for, but we have averaged about between 45 and $50,000 a year over the last 10 years. Uh, started off much smaller in the early years, but it's a, it's a loved project by our members. It's part of what gets them very interested in supporting the Camino because they've stayed at these places. And uh, our hospitaleros, sometimes um, we have funded like a separate bathroom for an hospitalero instead of sharing with 60 other people. If you're there for two weeks, you would get your, you know, we, in Ponce Bedon, we put a new bathroom in for that. And it makes, it makes for the ability to be of service to pilgrims uh, much easier. And it makes the place for the pilgrims a much better place to stay too. So it, it, we consider it kind of our flagship program, if you will, and uh, love to talk to you about more, whatever you want to, I could go on and on. No, it's great that you're able to, in a position to actually provide support like that and, and help. Um, I'd like to touch on, on service. So the Hospitalero, that, that is actually about giving service to other pilgrims. So maybe just briefly for people that don't know what a Hospitalero is, perhaps you could explain. For us, we consider an Hospitalero to be a person who has gone through training uh, and the Federation, the Spanish Federation has trained us to train. We've trained over 650 hospitaleros to date, and more than 300 of them have served either in, in Spain, France, or Portugal uh, Federation. And these are self-reporting. We do not place anybody. They go through the training. And in Spain, you do a two-week tour. Uh, you get assigned where you are needed and on the dates that you're able to go. And some of the places are more rustic than others. Yeah. Some of them you do, and you've been on the Camino, you have communal meals, and so you'll be responsible for the cooking. Uh, some places have some paid staff to do some cleaning, but others are pretty remote, and it's just you and another person, and you will do cleaning and cooking and, and greeting and changing sheets and washing, whatever. But the main thing is that you are welcoming pilgrims and being there for them. If they, whatever they need, if they need somebody to listen to them, if they need help with a pharmacy, if they just, just need to be with you, uh, that's, that's what we do. And it's, it's a very, very gratifying experience. Um, and many of our volunteers have served more than once and just come back with, that's such a wonderful way to be of service and to be part of that community. Okay, thank you. And um, David, what what does a say a typical pilgrim look like? What sort of age range, background, motivations? I'll tell you. That's an interesting question. I think um, uh, at our most recent gathering in Lake Tahoe uh, this past March, we had uh, I don't know started with uh, somewhere around 200 people we had uh, you know this whole uh, uh, epidemic or pandemic was uh, was beginning to form and so uh, but I'll tell you we had such a wide variety of age, ages and uh, backgrounds 
that I, I don't think there's any one standard description of a pilgrim. Uh, we had individuals uh, retired in their 80s, uh, and we had some some young, very young folks, uh, uh, you know, in their in their early 20s who were there to learn about the Camino and, and hear about the experiences of others. Uh, so I, I think it's, it's uh, impossible to pin down <laughs> a specific description of a pilgrim. It's really uh, anybody who seeks that experience. Okay. And is the Camino, is it difficult? Is it physically challenging? Like, are there, are there people that cannot do it? Yeah, I found um, I, there. I think uh, it depends on the uh, the trails you choose, and it, it depends on uh, uh, the mode of transportation you use. Uh, obviously, there's uh, the traditional method of walking, uh, uh, and, and I think there are times that people have this sort of preformed opinion of where you're supposed to walk from and to, but that's really irrelevant. If you think back uh, historically, it was uh, wherever your front door was. Uh, walking to Santiago. So um, I think uh, a lot of times the uh, pilgrimage can be tailored to the specific limitations. I mean, we've seen uh, plenty of examples. Uh, uh, some movies have been made and some documentaries have been made about uh, uh, people in wheelchairs uh, being pushed along the Camino. Um, and we've seen, uh, you know, I've personally met uh, all ages uh, walking different pathways. I think the most important thing is probably to remember uh, that there's no set uh, formula. Um, the pilgrimage is yours individually, really. Um, and you you uh, go and you sort of take what comes. And if you find challenges, you find ways to overcome those. And the beautiful thing is typically you'll find plenty of people on the Camino willing to help you overcome those challenges and, and, and reach your goal. Thank you. So, um, walking on the Camino as a pilgrim, uh, a lot of people stay at albergues, which are kind of, kind of hostels, I suppose, and a lot of them you cannot pre-book, you have to arrive. Have you ever had experiences when you've arrived at a village or town and not been able to get a bed? And I don't know about you, Carmen, but I, I really haven't. Uh, even uh, I went during the busy time of the year, uh, what I was told was the busier time of the year in, uh, in the summer of 13. and. Um, and I never had a problem finding a bed. Um, and I know that can become more and more of a challenge. And again, with the pace of information and the pace of our lives today, I know a lot of people worry about that. But I will tell you, I did uh, arrive in one town just short of Santiago. Um, and there were no, it was a pretty small town and there were no beds there. Uh, but I talked to one of the owners of a small establishment uh, who then uh, made a phone call for me and uh, an individual family uh, who had uh, an accommodation came and picked me up and took me to uh, stay at their place uh, and, and shared, shared a meal uh, with my wife and I. And, and that was just an incredible experience. And then the next morning, they said, uh, hey, wherever you walk to next, they took us back to where, we, where they picked us up. And at the end of the day, they said, hey, give us a call. We'll be happy to come get you again if you need a place to stay. And uh, we said, no, no, it's okay, it's far. And he said, you know, it's far for you, not far for me. <laughs> and so I actually stayed with that family a second night and just incredible hospitality. So, yeah, that's amazing. I, I have had the experience of not being able to find a bed at the albergue, but I think most of the time I had planned that if it wasn't available, I could either walk a little bit further 
or I had a little bit of money to put aside so I could stay in a hotel. In the few instances where it was really crowded, and this was early on on the Camino del Norte, where the infrastructure was much, much less developed than it is today, uh, even six years ago. Um, the, the generosity and the spirit of the people when they were turned away was really something else. Um, I remember the first time, it was a very small albergue, and we had been walking with a couple of young people, and they just said, we'll put up our tent and let these three other people have our beds, even though we were here first, and you know, just let us sleep here on the camp, on the, on the grass, and let us use the bathroom, and we'll give up our beds, no problem. Um, very, very infrequently have I seen you know, people get so uptight about not being able to stay at the albergue that might be a donativo or if it was a municipal and you knew you were only going to have to pay six euros. Most people have been just very, very gracious about the fact that you know, they didn't really they wanted this, but they didn't plan. <laughs> Sorry. No problem. Okay. Um, I'm only going to keep you for a couple more minutes now because I really appreciate you both taking this time and perhaps maybe at a future date we could have, have some further conversations about your kind of grand program and other things. But uh, this year is the 10th anniversary of the, the first screening of the Way movie with Martin Sheen. Now, my understanding is that's the number one thing that has introduced the Camino to almost any American that has been on the Camino. Is, is that true? It's, it's the inspiration, I think, for a lot of folks, including myself. Uh, that's how I, I'd never heard of the Camino de Santiago until I watched that movie. I actually watched it on a plane uh, as I was traveling back to the United States from Guam. And... Um, um, I watched it and my initial reaction was, I have to go. <laughs> and I told my wife that and her initial answer was, we'll see you at the end. <laughs> and and uh, ultimately, though, as I did some, did some more research and I actually, that's how I found American Pilgrims on the Camino. Um, um, my wife uh, jumped right in and, and eventually I, I caught her at... Uh, at a sports store, uh, looking at backpacks. And so, so she was hooked just like I was. Um, but yeah, that movie I think does serve as the, uh, sort of the introduction for a lot of folks, um, to the Camino, at least on, on this side of the Atlantic. And I, I would say that, you know, our organization has been a formal and nonprofit entity since 2003 and the founding members started this in the late nineties. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of other things that have precipitated the interest in the Camino over the years, and especially on the academic side. And then as you teach your students about it, they, they become interested in doing it. But I would say, yes, since 2011 or 2010, when the movie came out, uh, you say, well, how'd you hear about the Camino? All the way. Raise a good point. The um, it's interesting to know that the uh, American Pilgrims on the Camino really started with a very small group of individuals uh, who wanted to share their experiences with each other, um, and it was essentially uh, folks gathering in living rooms. And uh, and over the years, that's expanded to now this uh, annual gathering where you know we we, we gather together two or three hundred people from around the country, uh, and thousands gather uh, monthly. Uh, in our 60 chapters uh, across the country. So it's amazing to see how it's expanded. 
and, and the movie helped that. But uh, I think every now and again, it's important to remember it started with just a few people um, who decided they wanted to get together and share this amazing experience. Yes, it's 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 interesting. Like um, earlier on this week, I was talking to two people from the Canadian Company of Pilgrims, um, Mary Virtue and Tom Friesen, and they said the same thing that, that their their organization got started some time ago because nobody would. There was very few people interested in looking at photographs of people's communal journeys. So we got together <laughs> two or three people, formed a chapter, and that's how it grew grew from there. Right. So, and one last question for you, um, Carmen. What's your funniest memory of the Camino? Carmen, you're gonna you're gonna have to go first on that one. Let me think about that. I have a lot of funny ones. <laughs> I don't know that I have a funny one. I, I have more poignant memories of, of acts of kindness and generosity as opposed to funny. I, I guess some of the language. Uh, Differences have been pretty funny to listen to people talk about being pregnant instead of being embarrassed. And, and, and <laughs> you're really trying hard to communicate with people. Um, but I, I, I guess my memories are, are much more of the, the just the random acts of, of kindness and, and generosity. Okay. Something funny. <laughs> I guess the uh, the funniest time I had was uh, again inter again inter interacting with the folks uh, in the local communities. Um, I uh, as I you know I had Spanish. I took Spanish uh, courses in high school and college, uh, but I never you know and I regret this. I never actually uh, became conversant in Spanish. And so as we went on this uh, initiated this planning. Uh, we went back to probably what a lot of people do in uh, an app or Rosetta Stone or something like that to try to learn some basic Spanish. And so I was in a small village uh, uh, in a grocery store looking for just some some uh, provisions to throw in my pack. And I had a line of, of uh, local folks behind me and the cashier um, I attempted to use a, a couple words of Spanish and she smiled and she, uh, she said, uh, habla espanol. And I said, Oh, you know, just a little bit. And so she wanted me to demonstrate it. And, uh, I said, Rosetta stone. And she smiled really big. And, uh, and, uh, the people behind me started to giggle a little bit. And then, uh, I said, uh, <laughs> and she said, Oh, okay, good. And, uh, and, uh, uh, I said, nope, sorry, that's it. And, and everybody laughed. We had, she laughed and we had, the people in line were just giggling uncontrollably. And so we all shared a moment there, which <laughs> was pretty funny. Very good. Very good. But listen, um, David and Carmen, I really appreciate this opportunity to talk to you. Um, I really hope both of you will be on the Camino in 2021, as will a lot of people. Um, but Thank you so much for your time, and hopefully we'll speak again in the near future. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Buen Camino. Buen Camino. Have people look at our website, www.americanpilgrims.org, for more information about uh, finding a chapter in their area or about our grants program. And thank you so much for the opportunity to speak with you today, Sean. Thank you, Carmen.